welcome back to the Crash the Pond podcast. It is a Wednesday, December 6th edition of the pod. Sort of a quarter mark edition of the show, if you want to call it that. The Ducks are just past the quarter mark. We haven't done a pod in a little while, so this should be a fun one. Some big picture, some small picture, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about how many games happened when we just missed one week. And because yeah. the last podcast we did was Thanksgiving week and there have been, let me count one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games that have happened throughout that time. So solid amount of uh, games that happened there. Um, but I did want to mention on last week's or the last episode that we did, there was a little bit of a bet that you backed out of, but I would let the record show that I am honoring that bet by wearing a Montreal Canadian shirt underneath the Jersey. Yeah, that's a half measure. I don't know what you're honoring there, really. A half measure. We don't even we we don't even know that you're actually wearing it. We have no way of verifying that. It could just be an angel shirt. It could just be a red T-shirt. Yeah, but a a throwback Shohei Otani Angels shirt. I mean, it's not throwback yet. Could be by the end of the weekend. Please, (laughs) please, just come back. Just sign. Just sign. Uh, but yeah, it's underneath the new thirtieth jersey, which came in for me uh last week and seems like it came in for a lot of people it did and i just have to say it's a jersey that i think is even is like better in person than it is on screen or anything like that and i'm someone that was a big fan of this jersey i had my complaints here and there but i thought it grew on me a lot and eventually i bought it a day after it went on pre-sale and i think just as time's gone on seeing it with the whole entire look and now see it in person myself I think it's a really, really good jersey and one of the best jerseys they've had in their franchise history. I mean, it's certainly up there. It, it's not in it's not in the S tier with the original jerseys. But no, it's not it's, at the original jersey level. It's definitely like an A to B tier jersey. Yeah. Right, right behind the 07 uh, Stanley Cup jerseys. Ooh, this is ahead of that. The one thing that's, I think, a little touch on this that I think is really nice in person is the crest. I don't know if you would have known this, but the old crest on the Mighty Ducks jerseys, I think it was either the shoulder patches or maybe it was the main crest. It was like a little puffy. Like okay. it almost felt like it was like a little squishy in the logo. Like it wasn't just like a a, a like a, a regular crest or whatever, like the, the Ducks logo, the D is, where it's kind of more so this flat image with a little bit of texture in it, but not a lot. The Wild Wing crest has, it's like puffed out like the old Jersey was. And that's just like a little touch on the the crest that I think really makes it for me in person and really kind of builds back nostalgia. Cause I remember my dad having a white mighty duck Jersey and seeing that on it. And it just, it, it's a minor little touch that I think is really, really nice. Yeah. I mean, it, it's like, I've, I've been saying that those jerseys would be almost perfect if they just didn't have that big green or sorry, I don't mind aqua it. ring it's, around oh. it. Um, if they didn't have that, because I, I like the, the Wild Wing uh, logo. I just don't love the the Starbucks circle, but that's fine. I'm glad you like it. I'm glad people got their jerseys and are enjoying it because that's ultimately what matters. Um, and they do look great on the ice, no question. Now, in starting this show and us kind of scrambling of what we were going to talk about beforehand, I came up with the topic while we were talking here. So this is going to be a bit of an audible. But the okay. ducks, the ducks are twenty-five games into the season, sure, which is thirty percent of the schedule. So we're actually yep. past the quarter mark. So 
why don't we start this way? Okay. The, the Ducks are 30% into their schedule, 30% into the season, 30% into the Greg Cronin, well, hopefully more than 30%, but 30% into the first season of the Greg mm -hmm. Cronin era. Who are these guys? What is this team? What do we know about this team so far? I think this team's identity is they're a team that's tight defensively in their own zone. They're not going to be as leaky as they were last season. They're not giving up as many shots in the slot. I think where they struggle is when they're playing against more of a staunch defensive team like we've seen against the Kings, like we've seen against the Avalanche, where they kind of struggle to be able to get chances. And now part of that is they have been missing Trevor Zegers for the, the majority of the season at this point in time. Yeah. And so that is a major, major hole in the roster. Um, but I think they're a team that's not really necessarily going to take games off. Like, even in the games that they've gotten blown out, I think that there are things, positives that you can take away from that game and you can build upon and, and really kind of find things. Whereas there were so many games last year where it was just burn the tape. Even like <laughs> in the massive losses, it was like, there's nothing good here. They're just giving up glorious chance after glorious chance. There's not a whole lot of good here. Whereas even in the game against the Oilers where they, they lost eight to two, like you could look at the first period and the ducks were dominant in that period. And they just allowed a couple of chances against that. The Oilers were able to capitalize on because they have, they have high end skill. And so I think what we're starting to see here is the Greg Cronin system is there's buy-in from this team. And they're really starting to represent that well. And, even if the results haven't necessarily been there over this last little stretch, you're seeing that process improve and seeing general and gradual improvement by this team almost every single game, I think. Yeah, it's really hard to give a clean answer of yeah. who this team is because they've been without key players for... Yeah. I mean, Trevor Zegers has played 12 games. Jamie Drysdale has played two games, which is yeah. like a, sh a shockingly low number. when you like. I, I didn't realize it was that low. Yeah. Um, he you played know, that first weekend and that was it. Leo Carlson has, you know, been in and out, although he still played a bunch of games, but he, yeah. he, they haven't had that full kind of consistency with the lineup because of the, the Leo plan. You know, he's played 17 games so far. And so it's hard to give a, a perfect eval, but I think that where they are right now is about, I think where they should be. The first stretch of the season, I think everyone knew that that was not fully sustainable. There were pockets of it that 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 I think are sustainable, and there were pockets of it that that weren't, mm -hmm. and that have proven themselves not to be. Like yeah. you know Fr Frank Vetrano's shooting percentage, which as of right now is stands at 15 percent. So it was I think it was at like twenty eight, like twenty five or twenty seven. Yeah, so it was high. He's regressed big time, as you would expect. Yep, but I also don't think that some of these losses like you've been talking about are indicative of a team that's giving up or that's getting blown out or or you have to burn the tape. Like there's still a lot of pockets of good. I think that there is growth on a night-to-night -night basis and honestly like I think that they if if everyone is healthy and if some of their more marquee players were playing more at the level you'd expect I think that they'd be even a little bit further along, but right now they are, they're about where I would expect. Yeah. And I, I mean, to your point on that, like Trevor Zegers, we talk about him almost every podcast, but he had a really great start to the season. And even yep. though the scoring was not there from a play driving perspective, from a defensive perspective, when you lose a guy like that and having to pop guys up that are in a different spot in the lineup. And I mean, one of the guys was Alex Kalorn, who had a bit of a slow start after missing most of, or missing, uh, yeah, missing most of training camp 
with with that injury. And so it's taken him a little bit of time to get back into it. And so with missing those guys, it's going to have a negative impact. And I mean, Jamie Drysdale, one of the biggest negative impacts with Drysdale being out, not even discussing how he's played because that's somewhat of a massive unknown of what type of impacts he would have on this team just yeah. with his play. We don't even but, know. <laughs> but the impact of, of it, of shifting Jackson Lacombe to his right side as a result yep. of that injury, that that's what's happened. And to his credit, Erho Vakanainen has come in and played a really, really nice role for this team this year, but that still put one player in Jackson Lacombe on his offside where he has struggled. And I mean, Pat Verbeek in, in the beaker this past week, even mentioned that, that, Basically, I mean, he had this quote. The tough part is on Lacombe, it's been, uh, he's been playing as offside. He did it at Minnesota last year, but I prefer defensemen to play on their regular side, their forehand side. I think the game is just a lot easier for him on that side. I think it allows him to naturally feel better, be more confident when he can get up the ice from his natural side versus coming from his offside, which is exactly, I think, on the podcast what you said, or maybe it was only in Discord. But you've made that kind of exact same statement with Jackson Lacombe. And so by missing Jamie Drysdale, that's forced him into that position. And so yeah. you wonder where where Jackson Lacombe would be at, where this team would be at with Jamie Drysdale of just slotting people into their more natural positions. Yeah. And even now, like, you know, missing Mason McTavish last game. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what's the timeline on him? Do we know? He's not timeline? traveling. He's not traveling with the team. And he was okay. not on the ice for their their skate. And I mean, yeah, even in la- in last night's game, missing him, yeah, I think it was interesting that and Max could... Jones. I, did Max Jones get kicked out or did no, he? Okay. He got hurt. He got hurt. Oh, he got um, hurt. That's right. He got yeah, hurt on the, he, on the hit. Yeah, yeah, he got hurt on the hit. So the but lines were just screwed. The lines game. were screwed, but the only line that had consistency was the Carlson Kalorn uh, Terry line. And you look at what the Avalanche did by looking at some of the shift charts and things that they did. They hard matched. Taves and uh, I forget who the other uh, Taves and Manson and the McKinnon line against them, which is a really tough matchup for for that uh, forward line. And the thing for the Ducks is they didn't necessarily have the offensive talent outside of that line, which is why I think the Avalanche really hard in or hard keyed in on that that matchup there. And you saw it with the Ducks really struggling, especially once Jones went out at getting any chances at five on five in that game. Yeah. And so to kind of, to kind of bring it back to the big picture, though, I think yep. probably maybe what would, what would you say is the biggest positive of the season so far? Like, what is the kind of um, big the thing you're hanging on the wall right now and pointing and saying that is the best thing that's happened? Greg Cronin understands what he's doing. I think that is the biggest positive because we've just come from a Dallas Aikens era where I think you look at the quotes and while you may feel good from reading the quotes or hearing what he said, there wasn't necessarily an ownership and accountability from him to media. Seems like from him with the team, different things like that. Whereas Greg Cronin, you look at his post games, post game interviews uh, for home games. Cause shout out Derek Lee, as we always do post them on the, the sporting tribune uh, YouTube page, every single game that he's at, which is every home game. And you look at the game against the avalanche where the ducks were able to win And Cronin was pretty honest about it, basically saying, we have not necessarily played bad over this losing streak. It's just, as a coaching staff, and he even said this, as a coaching staff, we really try to look at the process. If you eliminate the results from this, how did we play? How did we look? Removing score, how did did this game play out? And he's like, you look, we should have won two or three of these games. But also being quite honest, in the winning streak, we should have lost two or three of those games. And the fact that there's that perspective from this coaching staff, and he even said it way back when during the winning streak, 
that, that that was the case. And having that perspective and a coach that understands what's happening there and is able to focus in and key in and make the proper decisions with that, I think is such a big breath of fresh air in comparison to, to what we've seen in the past. And it just goes to show that even if he doesn't necessarily look at the analytics in the same way that you and I do with expected goals, he looks at things like scoring chances. And I feel like every game he mentions scoring chances and chances were, were eight to five in that period. And so we had the better looks of it and we should, should have been in a better spot. And so it may be not as, uh, advance of a model that he's looking at, but it's a very similar concept by just looking at chances. Yeah. Yeah. I think that Greg Cronin's a good pick for the most positive thing. And certainly I think that what we've seen from him is that he seems to have a better pulse. He seems to have a better pulse of who the better players are. Like, I don't really ever feel like, you know, with the exception of maybe some moments here or there, like, Oh, why is so-and-so playing this high in the lineup or why, yeah. you know, like you don't have a Derek Grant, just getting inordinate amount of, you know, top six time or especially or top... when he, de- when they, he doesn't deserve it. Yeah. Like it feels like he does understand his roster very well. And he does, he is trying to preach a system and a philosophy that's at least raising this team's baseline. Like it remains to be seen with Greg Cronin, you know, what the kind of upside is because right now, all we really know is that he's lifted this team's baseline to a much higher level. Yeah, but but now it's okay. Once they kind of lock that in, you know what's going to be the next step in the progression, and we don't have a clear answer on that yet. But it'll be that's probably going to be the kind of fascinating thing to watch as the season progresses. My my most exciting thing, my biggest positive is is an easy one. It's Pavel Minchikov. I mean, okay. I mean, (laughs) you referred to the interview that Pat Verbeek did. And he's he said what we've all been saying, like he's said he's straight up. He said, I'm actually, frankly, surprised at how well he's doing. And yeah, I would agree with that. You would agree with that. No, I no one except for only one person that I know of saw this coming this year. And that would be Spencer in our discord chat. So I will give him a, a shout out. And at the time in the offseason, I was like, ah, there's no way like no you're, way. Yeah. you're too high on Minchikov. And at every step of the way, Pavel Minchikov has been just way beyond anything I expected this season. Has he been perfect? No. Are there moments where some of that rookie inexperience has come out? Yes. But for him to be this far along already at his age with his total lack of pro experience, that is a revelation for this franchise. Because, you know, as 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 well as Minchikov projected it was still a projection. We hadn't seen it yet. So it remained kind of this distant thing that we just couldn't be too sure about. That's kind of the case right now with Olin Zellweger. But Minchikov has come in and basically proved it. Like 25 games in, I don't have any doubts that Pavel Minchikov is at very least going to be a solid NHLer. And now the question is just, can he become a star NHLer? And I think that there's a pretty big chance of that happening now. Can I have another another positive while we're at it? Sure. Let's just lay Lay out the shower shower with praise i thought this is where you were going to go with that last one and the fact that you didn't makes me want to jump in and say it is leo carlson like yeah i i think it's a good one i would not have expected him to be producing look the way he is i mean we had so many conversations in the offseason right of where is the best place for him to play is it going to be the nhl is it going to be the ahl is it going to be sweden and Trying to figure out what the best place is. Remember, do you, do you remember the uh, the moment where it was like, oh, he might play in junior, like Canadian junior hockey? Yeah, 
Yeah. And <laughs> he's just come out and shown, nope, none of that matters. This is the right place for him to play at. I don't think there has really been... He's had some games where he has not been as impactful, but even in those games, he has not looked out of water. It, it, he's like, this is where he belongs. And the crazy thing is, at 13 points in 17 games... For all rookies that have played at least 10 games, he's second in the league in points per game. Yeah. At 0.76. The only person greater is Bedard at 0.83. So he's not trailing Bedard in points per game by that significant of a margin. Yeah. Although I would, I don't want to throw cold water, cold water on the points because I think he's been great and all that observing, but it's hard to separate like the production from the fact that he's getting this like extra rest that other guys aren't getting. And so, and so how much is that helping? Like, we don't know. It's an unanswerable question. We have a bit of an answer now though, on the the Carlson plan, speaking of that, uh, Verbeek interview. And I think just kind of layering that in through this conversation is the best way to go about this. But, um, Pat Verbeek kind of made it clear what the Carlson, the Leo plan is in, in that, uh, Beaker interview, which is, uh, basically over the next, uh, however many weeks that this is left, which I believe he said is six weeks left he is now going to be going up to three games per week. So it's no longer going to be two games per week where if there's three games or four games in a week, he'll only play two. He's going to play three games per week and will only sit if there's four games per uh, four games in that week. And I took a quick look and there are only two more weeks um, or one more week this year, sorry, that has four games. And then the second week of January, which I think is about six weeks from when Verbeek gave the interview, that also has four games. So I would target that second week of January is the last week that uh, Leo Carlson is going to sit games. And if that is okay, or if that's how it proceeds, he's only going to sit two more games. So the, this whole hand wringing that ended up happening about Leo Carlson and sitting game, I think sitting games is, I think going to amount to about in total eight games missed. Right. Yeah. Like, because he Something sat, like I think, 10, 10 games total because he missed those first two due to injury. And then six games after that and then two more after that. So in total, eight games due to the Leo plan, which in the grand scheme of it is not that big of a deal when you consider Zegris has already missed more than that due to injury. Well, so far he's played 17 games. So are you sure about your se- math? Se- 17, more- out of, se- 17 out of 25. So if he sits two more, that's 10. Okay, I thought you said he was going to miss eight on the season. Eight, eight due to the Leo plan. Okay, okay. Because he sat two in the very beginning due to injury. Got it, got it. Okay. That's what I Re- meant by that. Regardless. Regardless, um, th- this seems to be close to ending. Leo will yeah. be playing in every game, and he will have missed 10 games in total. And so if he's able to keep producing, he might be able to make something out of the Calder race. It's not likely, but there could be something there. Yeah, the hard part is that despite the great points per game, you know, the, he's going to have to catch him in points. The award is total points. Yeah. And so we shall see. But regardless, it's not about that. It's not about no. the points with Leo no. Carlson, although the points are kind of a bellwether for how well he's played, because I think the most impressive thing to me is a the fact that he's even here and that he's playing well. But but layered into that is the fact that he seems to be getting better as time goes on. Yes. Like like he he's adding stuff into his game that wasn't there in the beginning, like in the the game against Colorado last weekend, he had like a little kind of spin onto his, you know, spin out of the corner, evading his check. And he set it up where he leaned one way because the guy was was behind him on his back. And Leo shimmied to the right and then pivoted back onto his backhand out of the corner 
you know, using his outside edge and then cut into the net. And like that kind of agility, you know, it looked a little clunky, like it's clearly not a strength of his game. But the fact that he's trying that kind of stuff and getting more comfortable, getting more aggressive, we weren't really seeing that as much in the beginning. It was a lot of just straight line off the rush. So if he's adding those kind of little wrinkles in where he can come off the wall and attack that way, like he's just going to get better and better as the season goes along. And and also big kudos to Leo Carlson for against Colorado. Curtis McDermott tried to jump him like an yeah. idiot to try to even up the penalties. And he just doesn't bite like a true veteran just doesn't bite, doesn't doesn't bite on this, the stupidity of Curtis McDermott. And that would give the Ducks a five on three. Yeah, where Leo Carlson would score. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Great and, pass and by Troy Terry to set up a nice goal. A nice pass by Troy Terry and Leo Carlson firing into an empty net. So, yeah, he's been a big positive. And then the other one I wanted to highlight because we've bashed on him a lot the last few years, deservedly so. But time to give some flowers is number thirty-six, John Gibson. Mm-hmm. Like ro- rocking right now, ten point seven goals saved above expected, and just really looks the part to me. Like he's yeah. He's not always perfect. He's never yep. going to be perfect. No goalie is, but yep. he's making a lot of very difficult saves, you know, especially like against Colorado, the Ducks penalty kill was just getting carved up and making really difficult lateral saves. He's in a better environment now, but he's he's playing above what you would expect within that environment. So Let me let me ask we, you this. We owe him some uh not some apologies, but some flowers. Yeah. Let me ask you this. I actually have another positive that I want to give out. You know, let's just let's just be a little positive right now with the team kind of losing so much. Providing some positivity is a good thing. But um, a, a question for you there on, on John Gibson. What do you make of them kind of moving away from the, the rotation that they had early on in the season? I mean, I think part of it is that John Gibson is just playing really well. Yep. And that he's just kind of owning the net right now. And he is he is the number one like like that. You know, he's the one making the big money. He's the veteran. He's playing very well. Like, that's a perfect storm. Would I like to see him play a little bit le- less? Yes. But also, I think some of the spacing with these games is maybe allowed for this too. And, I mean, Dostal had a... I don't even want to call it a rough outing against Edmonton because I think that's the last time he played. Um, but he, he he got bombarded in that game. The, the Oilers were just... I mean... The, the his teammates were giving him no help. The Oilers were really pouring it on, you know, vintage McDavid, vintage Dreisaitl, breakaways, cross-ice passes, one-timers, backdoor plays. Like, I just really don't think Lucas Dostal blame, bears any blame in that game. And maybe the Ducks saw that as, hey, he's tired, he's fatigued, because he... He's played you know, three games, he's played four games total this month. In the last three, he's allowed five goals, eight goals, six goals. Yeah, I'm not blaming him for the Oilers game. Like, you'd have to be crazy to put that on him. But in but the thing is, maybe they saw that as like, hey, you look at that just total number of goals. Maybe there's some fatigue there. Who knows? Like, who knows what the answer is, what they think it is. But I'm not really worried about Lucas Dostal. I think that mm-hmm. it would be nice to see him get a start here soon just to keep him fresh, keep him maybe kind of in the mix. against Chicago. But I don't see this as a bad thing necessarily because Gibson is playing well. This allows Dostal to kind of, you know, recenter, get back in the lab a little bit, get back to working on some of his technique. Because sometimes, you know, when you're playing a lot, you don't have as much time to just practice that. You're more focused on just your recovery, your game preparation. And so now he's had some time to really practice, maybe work out some kinks. 
and hopefully he can come back better. But I'm not really worried about Dostal, to be honest. Yep. The other positive I want to give as we're kind of going through this, small sample size on this. Want to want to really make sure that that caveat's there with four games played for this line. But the Lisa McGinn Carrick line. Yeah, they look they, great. They look absolutely great. It's been a long time since I can remember the Ducks have had a good fourth line. I mean, I'm not even sure they're the fourth line just on on like talent, not talent, well, but like like impact. Yeah. I think they're the third line right now. <laughs> sure. But based upon listing and the way they list them, they are the fourth line. But those three together have really gone. They really, really work well. I think we've heard Greg Cronin mention hunting pucks, hunting pucks. And I think that they are the epitome of that with McGinn and Carrick and Leeson all getting in on the forecheck at various points in time and just causing havoc and chaos and get winning puck battles and getting it back. And I think this is really what I was looking towards when Brock McGinn uh, was added to the Ducks lo- uh, roster last year. And I think that this line coming into the season was exactly what I wanted to see, which is why adding Johnson was a bit weird to me. But I think with McGinn being out, maybe it makes a bit more sense. Well, I'm curious to see where it goes from here. But that line has just been clicking and doing exactly what you want from a, a bottom six or fourth line, which is controlling chances, not getting caved in uh, defensively, and creating offense for themselves. And even if they're not generating actual goals, they are going to cause wear and tear on the other team that could eventually be uh, capitalized upon by your more offensive lines by keeping that puck in there. And that kind of builds momentum for you within the game. And so really they deserve a massive, massive shout out. We've harped on fourth lines for the Stucks team for years with, I mean, you mentioned him earlier, but Derek Grant. And so I think giving a fourth line their flowers when they've actually been good is important. Yeah, no, they've been great. I thought they were the Ducks best line against Colorado yesterday. I thought that, Arguably, they were their best line in the previous game against Colorado, too. They're rocking um, a 54% expected goals share. Yeah, and the thing with them is that I don't really feel like they're out there creating dangerous offense, but they defend by possessing the puck. Like, they are really yeah. good at breaking up plays. They're really... I mean, Sam Carrick had a breakaway goal <laughs> in the first Colorado game, so I should give some credit there. But they're really good at pressuring the puck, getting it back, and then they just get it deep, and they're... You know, they're, they're all kind of on the same page. You know, they're really good at filling lanes, supporting the puck, yep. cycling it down low, getting it back to the point. I mean, maybe the Ducks' best, one of the Ducks' best scoring chances, because it was one of the fewest, they had so few against Colorado yesterday, was the rebound chance, the, the Luneau point shot, where yeah. I think it was Leeson on the doorstep. We just couldn't bury it. And that was off of a cycle from that line. So mm-hmm. they've been great. And, and- you need I mean, the, those you need those depth lines. Yep, the Washington game, they scored the tying goal to get the Ducks back into that game even though they eventually lost, but that line's been been out there and been pushing it. I mean, granted the goal share is not meeting the expected goal share at 31%, but I would expect some aggression, regression from that from the, on the positive side of things. So, uh yeah, there's that. Yeah, so overall there's there's a lot of positive. I mean, we could probably rattle off a few more, but yep. let's Actually, we should probably take a break here before we talk about maybe some things we want to see changed. Yep, I would agree with that. All right, this episode is brought to you by Green Chef. So Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit company, and they make eating uh, well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals. Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preference. So they have so many different varieties and customization throughout it. And so eating clean should never be boring, especially during the holiday season. Feel your best and satisfy your cravings with adventurous eats and uh, 
made nutritious. Discover exciting new flavors with recipes that feature certified organic fruits and vegetables, sustainably sourced seafood, and unique farm fresh ingredients like tart cherries, truffle zest, and rainbow carrots. And you can eat clean the delicious way this December with flavor-packed recipes like buttery lemon garlic shrimp, harissa apricot chicken, maple butternut squash risotto, and sriracha tamari uh, beef bowls. And so they also have options for every single lifestyle. And so you can feel your best with nutritionist-approved uh, recipes, including calorie-smart meals under 650 calories, protein-packed meals with 30-plus grams of protein on average per serving, science-backed Mediterranean recipes, and flavorful, plant-rich, vegan, and vegetarian meals uh, featuring certified organic, whole fruits and vegetables, good-for-you uh, good grains, and plant-based proteins. You can also feel your best of December uh, due to the sustainability of Green Chef. And they have seasonal recipes featuring certified organic fruits and vegetables, organic cage-free eggs, and sustainably sourced seafood. And they also offset 100% of their delivery emissions as well as 100% of the plastic in every box. Plus, nearly all packaging materials are curbside recyclable in most areas in the U.S., and most of all, it's convenient and easy. They deliver everything you need to eat clean the easy way this December. Nourish your body with chef-crafted, nutritionist-approved recipes packed with clean ingredients that support your healthy lifestyle and taste great too. You can power through the bustling holiday season with our convenient step-by-step -step recipes featuring uh, wholesome dinners ready in 30 minutes or less. And over 35% of their recipes uh, can be made in 25 minutes or less. That's not all. You can save time with 10-minute lunches, grab-and-go breakfast, ready-to-eat snacks, and bundles from Green Market. Um, so you can go to greenchef.com slash 60ctp. That is greenchef.com slash 60ctp. And use code 60ctp to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. So once again, go to greenchef.com slash 60ctp. 60, like 60% 60 off, and CTP, like crash the pond. And use code 60CTP to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. So once again, thank you, Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. Another name I wanted to highlight that we should probably give flowers to okay. is Mason McTavish. Yes. I mean, tw 21 points in 24 yep. games, 10 goals. And with him, the point production... Of course, you can't really expect that moving forward, but it does have a bit more of a feel of sustainability just because of how dominant he can look out there with the puck, without the puck. I've been really impressed by him this season so far. Yeah, I, I think I think he's shown a lot more offensively than I thought was in his game. I think specifically I thought he was going to be a really good transition player for this team. But I think within the offensive zone, he's shown a lot more creativity and ability to create chances that I didn't necessarily think would be there completely. The one downside for him in that line is they've started to fall off a bit defensively. And so I think that by and I think the issue is that the offense has fallen off also because they have been caught defending so much. And so they really need to uh, go back and really solidify the defensive game, which is what they were doing earlier on in the season, which led to them getting sustained offensive zone time and offensive looks. Yeah, yeah, but he's played great. Yep. Um, now turning to maybe some things we'd like to see improve or things that have not gone well. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be honest, though. There's not a lot to choose from. Like, no. I think that I think that up and down the lineup, this team has 
you know, most guys have either been at expectation or above. I mean, like we were talking about with the goalies, you know, there's so many guys you can point to and say that they've been kind of like fun stories. But I think the one guy we have to talk about first is Troy Terry. You know, five goals, nine assists, uh, 45 point pace so far this season. And the points is just more of like just to give people like a very bird's eye view. But I think just watching him play, it's just clear that he just hasn't found his game yet this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think I think he's had it in patches here and there. And I think the one thing that I've started to see is I, I think he's started to show lately that he's starting to come out of that. I think there are some plays, certainly, and I think you, you highlighted one in Discord earlier, where he holds on to it a bit too long in the offensive zone and leads to a turnover against. But I think you're seeing a whole lot more of plays from him in the offensive zone where he holds on to and is able to make a pass due to drawing in the defense towards him and, and create an offensive chance as a result of that. And so the one thing that I kind of would not push back on because I think it's a valid point. He's getting paid more. He needs to be producing more. That That's a, a valid criticism. Yeah, he, he's no longer graded on the like nice Agreed. story fifth round pick curve. Agreed. Yeah. But I think that there is a bit of an over-criticism of him right now because of those one or two turnovers and people will then pile on as a result of that. I think there are good things that he are, he is doing at 5-on-5, five five and they have not necessarily resulted in goals uh, as of yet. But I think eventually that will come. But I think he does need to clean up those one or two turnovers, which, to be fair, used to be a whole lot more earlier on in the season. Yeah, the and so I think you're starting to see some progress. To me, it's not about turning the puck over. It's about just the decision making with the puck. You know, right now, he's he's just trying to do too much. That's that's what I meant. But that's a much better way to put it. He's playing. I mean, I use the term and now people have maybe taken it too far, but. He's yep. out he's out there trying to be the hero a lot or not necessarily he's trying to be the hero but he's he's not looking for options. He's not looking around because when Troy Terry, you know, before he gets the puck, if he's looked around, he can make a really nice next pass. Like if you look at the the late game push by the Ducks against Colorado, Tristan Luneau does kind of a end-to-end rush, you know, he goes from his D zone all the way into the the AV zone. And he kind of messes up the spacing and and it gets really cramped. But as he's pushing in, Leo Carlson, I think it was, or it might have been Strom, I don't remember. They duck in back door and Terry sees that and the puck gets to him and he just perfectly one touches it into that space and it creates a great look for the Ducks. You know, you talked about the assist for Leo Carlson's goal in that game. Right before that goal, he made the same pass and it just, they didn't connect on a goal there. So... I think he has an ability to be a playmaker. It's just, it's almost like single variable situations where he's already figured it out before he's gotten the puck. When he has the puck on his stick and he's kind of dancing with it or or coming off the rush off entry, he has a harder time letting go of it. It's like for him, he'd rather hold on to it, hold on to it, hold on to it, than just make the easy play, let the play develop, and then eventually get it back in a better position. Yeah, I, I think that actually... And, and, and the problem to me is that that actively harms the line because it, it caps their ability to create dangerous offense. I actually think that... I think that type of play from in transition is where he's at his best. And so I don't think you necessarily when, want to when it's that. A, when it's effective, though. Like, Correct. Like, th- there is a... It's a double-edged sword. And sometimes Correct. it slices the right way and sometimes it Correct. You cut yourself. Which is why I, I think that 
stating that the hero hockey is is a bad thing is it can maybe, be a bad thing. What? It can be a bad thing. Correct. Because we have Rooch in our, our chat saying Troy Terry needs to stop playing hero hockey when, to be honest, that's something that he does well. And so I think specifically in transition, making the correct reads and plays while doing that is what's going to be important for him and it will will really cause him to be effective. I think where he gets in trouble is when he's cycling and does that a bit too much and goes high in the zone, keeps it on a stick, guy engages him, gets him to the board, and then causes a, uh, a turnover going the other way because he is holding on to it, trying to make that play for himself. In transition, I think is where he does need to make the – where he – is at his best and can make those plays and really take advantage of that ability to create offense. I think the issue is in the offensive zone in the cycle when he comes up high with it and tries to do that is where he really, uh, really has faltered a bit. Yeah. This like there were multiple instances against Colorado where even off the face off where as soon as he would get it, he would just go straight to the middle or off the cycle just goes, goes into the middle and it's clearly like very intentional. And even off the face off, they did like a little set play, where Terry takes it into the middle and then the the D-man on the weak side activates. And so as the 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 defending team presses up on Terry, that opens up that D-man and he just feathers it over to him. Mm -hmm. So he's capable of operating when it's like the table is kind of already set. It's just that when he has to figure out on his own, he's he's just too stubborn with the puck. Like he's just got to be able to yeah. let it go. Yeah. And and here's my thing with this. Like if you look at some of the best players, you know, the best playmakers, the best offensive players, they're going to break the rules. Sometimes they're not going to make the high percentage play. And that's okay because they've proven that their ideas, their rule breaking ideas work, work at a high enough percentage that you're willing to live with that. With Troy Terry right now, it seems like whenever he goes off script, it doesn't really work. And it's like, at a certain point, if you're not showing that your ideas are leading to results or even like just chances, then I kind of want to see you get back into just making simple plays and and yeah. kind of let it let the game let the game work for you. Like that's the thing with Terry right now. It's that he's he's trying too hard to impose himself on the game where it's like you're a talented player, you're a smart player. If you just kind of work within the confines of the game, it'll it'll so, pay you back. One thing I'm wondering because I think when we've seen Troy Terry at his absolute finest is when he's been paired with Trevor Zegras. I know we had a lot of conversations, right, about yeah. splitting those two apart, putting Troy Terry with uh, Mason McTavish. But I'm wondering if there is still chemistry with Kalorn and Carlson, which there has been the last couple of games. Yeah, they've, they've had some good shifts. I wonder if you go back to the idea of having Carlson, Zegras, and McTavish all at center. And you have a you you kind of work your pairings together, right? You have a Kalorn Carlson pairing, and you figure out who the third uh, winger on that line is going to be. You have a Terry Zegers pairing, who kind of they really work off each other. And I think when Troy Terry is at his best, cycling in an offensive zone is when he has someone who thinks the game like a Trevor Zegers, who doesn't necessarily fit within a mold and, and makes those kind of high end, creative, not necessarily smart, safe plays, but they create offense and they're they're thinking that in the same wavelength. And so I think kind of having those two together could really work well. And it gives you a whole lot of depth throughout your lineup also. Yeah, I mean, I think the reason you put those two together is because they're both so dangerous off the rush. Yep. But I think that right now it's hard because I don't think they're really getting those rush opportunities. And I think that I want to see someone that's going to kind of let Terry just be Terry while still being able to get the best version of their game. 
And the guy I really want to see him with is Mason McTavish because I feel like McTavish is a perfect complement where McTavish doesn't really work. He doesn't really play in that world where he has to hang on to the puck and he's going to create, create, create. Like he's much more give and go, fill lanes, get into the right spots. He's such a cerebral player and he's got a great shot threat that I could see those two, like Terry's proclivity of just propensity to hold on to the puck could actually work with a guy like McTavish who's really smart away from the puck. Whereas with Zegras, like we've seen it work, but I kind of want to test that theory with McTavish and knowing Fair. that you you could go back to Zegras if you really want to. Fair. I think that when those two are on their game together in terms of Zegras and Terry, it's some of the most fun I've had watching this Ducks team yeah. in the last couple of years. And so that's but also that's from a pure like biased, inter- biased entertainment perspective is they're a fun, fun pairing together. And I think that if they can continue that along with uh, the other pairings kind of working together well, I think you could have something there. Yeah, and I, it sh- we should note that yeah, Kalorn and Carlson have looked great together. I think mm-hmm. that they've uh, they're they're forming a nice little chemistry, and it kind of makes sense because they're both really smart and they're not necessarily like pure rush guys, even though Carlson can be great off the rush. Carlson, when he gets those legs going, it, yeah. it's insane. Yeah. And then, I mean, outside of that, like, I don't really have big negatives to pick at. I mean, maybe some people aren't happy with, like, Fowler's game. Uh, you know, he's been, fi- he's been fine. I think you he, can criticize him, but he's just been whatever. Like, I don't, he's been I don't, fine. I don't think he's been bad. I don't think he's been great. He's just kind of been somewhere in between. Yep. Um, you know, Radko Gudis, I think, has settled in. Yep. Um, I think he's looked good. Um, Tr- Tristan Luno's the one guy I did want to talk about a little bit. Go for it. I just think that it's great that he's gotten these six games, but I can't wait for him to go back to junior because even like, uh, I think Verbeek said in his, his interview, like he just, he skates the puck up too much. Like he carries it too much. And I've never seen a GM just like call out a specific trait mm-hmm. like that of a player, but I there's, fla- to- there's flashes of good in his game. There's yes. also flashes of like, you have no idea what's going on. You're not playing yeah. at the right speed. And it's, it's just a wild experience watching him play right now it's going to be fascinating to see what they end up doing and just to to in some ways see what they think of the elc slide because we're we've seen and i've brought this up many times that there there are people that probably think that the elc slide doesn't matter as much as everyone makes it out to be because it actually takes a year off the deal so it makes the second the negotiation in the second deal or for the second deal harder for the player side of it and we saw that with uh, Drysdale, right? Missing an entire year really hurt him from a negotiation standpoint. Um, and, and same thing with Zegras, honestly, only playing however many games his first season. It, it hurts you from a negotiating standpoint. And so it'll be really curious because I think Tristan Leno is at, what, six games right now? Yeah, he's at six. He's at six. He's been named to the selection camp for Team Canada, so he may end up going to the Team Canada camp. and Which starts in for, four days. Yeah, start and plays in the World Junior. So It'll be interesting if he ends up coming back to the Ducks after that. I, I think most likely what's going to happen is he'll go play World. That he'll go play World Juniors, then go back to the queue after that. Yeah. Um, but it's going to be fun to watch him at the World Juniors to essentially see what he can take from this little stint with the Ducks and and apply it against lesser lesser opponents, basically. So yeah, I I think that that is uh, going to be interesting to see. If we're talking about negatives, penalties, Lou brings yeah. it up in the in the in the Twitch chat, but. The the propensity to take penalties and take them at really poor times has really, yeah. really hurt this team. And there's I, really like no sign of it slowing down either. And they're just they're 
like, it's not as if you can say they're a result of the system, they're a result of being caught in their own zone. A lot of the penalties are just dumb plays. The too many men on the ice play yeah. uh, play at the end of the Colorado game. That's just, like, inexcusable, that, yeah. that type of mistake. And so those type of mistakes need to get cleaned up. Whether they will or won't is a, a whole different question. Um, but I think as this team starts to try to be more competitive – Cleaning up those areas are going to be really, really important for them moving forward. Um, another negative, this is a minor, minor one. But one thing that's grinded my gears a little bit of late is that they are not starting the power play one or what I determined to be the first power play unit first every single power play. They kind of go back and forth between the two and it's almost like it's purely based upon just goals and not necessarily looking at what chances they are all creating because if you watch the two power plays go the first power play unit the one with carlson the one with terry the one with uh minchikov on the point that is the one that's generating more offensive looks hey, for the power team. play two scored two games ago agreed i'm not saying that just, they haven't just, scored just saying i'm just i'm just simply pointing out that if you look at the the chances that they're generating Power play two is generating significantly less chances than power play one. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty night and day. I mean, there are times where it'll be like, oh, that it's because those guys were out there. And so they'll, they'll put the second unit out, but yeah, there's a stark difference. I mean, but there are times where that that's not even happening. And what they're, they're doing is they're just simply starting that unit for whatever reason. I mean, I've looked at it. I'll look at it again right now. Cause I'm curious, but if you look at Fowler and Minchikov as the proxy because of the point men and look at their with or without use, it's kind of jarring um, to look at the power play with or without you for those two guys. And I'll pull it up uh, really quickly if I can, but um but yeah, so I, I think I mean, that's been- we we all know. I mean, we just you just need to watch to know that it's a massive difference. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, other than that, anything else comes to mind on this team, this season, the vibes? Is vibes HC still in effect? Vibes HC is still in effect. It took a little bit of a hit during the the losing streak. Yeah. What they lose eight in a row? Something like that. Let's yeah. see. I, I've got it up. So with Fowler. The Ducks expected goals four per 60 on the power plays at 5.84. Without Fowler, it is at 8.83. Yeah, that's so a pretty it, big difference. It's a massive, massive difference. And most of the shots, because uh, HockeyViz has the wonderful charts that show where the shots are coming from, majority of the shots with Fowler on the ice are coming at, at around the point area and kind of by the boards from the faceoff top, basically where Vitrano lines up, which makes sense for that. Um, and then point shots looking for rebounds as a result of that, but they're just not even getting a lot of rebound looks because yeah. they're not generating a whole lot front net. You look at power play two, it's faceoff dots front net. That is where almost all, power play all, one. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. The, the Minchikov power play. Yeah. You look at the Minchikov power play. It's all in the faceoff dots for shots and then front of net area. Yeah. And Minchikov loves to shoot from the point too. So that just kind of goes to show how it's not necessarily a bad thing as long as you can kind of work around it. But yeah, it's getting brought up in our chat here, but why not try Jackson Lacombe instead of Cam Fowler? Like on the power, like I know Cam Fowler is good at breaking it out and skating it up, but that's not that hard of a skill. Like there's a lot of guys who can do that in the NHL. There's a lot of guys on the Ducks who can do that. I'm Jackson Lacombe can do that. Jackson Lacombe's got way better offensive instincts than Cam Fowler. Like the thing with Cam Fowler is that he, the only thing he knows to do offensively is shoot from the blue line. 
like you know never never comes in below the dots never activates off puck like he's just so stationary and one track minded whereas lacombe is much more of a playmaker so it's just painful to watch fowler on the power play like yeah it, it, I will, it hurts to watch i think right now there's not a whole lot of better options because no, i think lacombe is the better option like no but where i was gonna go option. is i think lacombe should be on that power play anyways because Max Jones shouldn't be on the power play. Hey, Max Jones has been playing really well. I won't he has. accept the slam. I would not put that, him on that, a power play. That goal still. he scored against Edmonton was it Edmonton or Vancouver? One of the two. Edmonton, he had two goals against the diving, like Ovechkin esque goal. How, how do we knock it? A, we also, have, we we really should have gotten a Max Jones hat trick. Also, I do want to give Max Jones flowers because the game, the the goal that they scored against Colorado, power play two. He made a really nice play along the wall to shake off a defender Fair. and just keep the play. Like, I have never, I have, I have never seen that kind of level of forethought and manipulation in his game. So, nah, take your slander back because he's Fine. he's not part of the problem. I mean, it's maybe a problem that he's pl- that he's being put in that position, but I think he's oh. doing he's doing the most Can- with it. I mean, we're just gonna give flowers a bunch. This is wild. That or probably people are gonna be listening to this. Um, and wondering why are they giving out so much praise when the Ducks just lost so many games and lost again last game. But there's just a big so picture much, pod. There's, there's just so much progress from this team. But another another part of uh, another thing that I want to give flowers to, or another person I want to give flowers to, Jacob Silverberg. Just turning the clock back this season. He's played well. He's, he's tailed off a bit lately, but... But he still deserves flowers for... We thought he was... Uh, done. Sh- done. Healthy scratch in the press box consistently. And he's been a very positive impact for the, or he's, he's had a positive impact for this team and deserves some flowers. Yeah. I mean, the other guy, we we talked about his line, but Brett Leeson, just like talk about a guy kind of reinventing himself or just becoming the best version of what he can be. Like he's, he's played phenomenally. So yeah, I mean, just looking at this lineup, looking at these players, like Bo Gru's played well too. Like Frank Vitrano's 14 goals and it feels like we've barely talked about him, but there's been a lot of good that's happened this season. A lot of kind of big picture progress. Yes, there has been losing. Yes, there are definitely things like, man, the game against Colorado on uh, Saturday. Mm-hmm. The amount of times that they gave, they gave up three goals. I think it was 3-0 at one point or yeah. might have been 3-1. Yeah. All uh... goals, all, all three were almost the exact same play. It was... Turnover in the offensive zone. And once you know it, you're playing the Colorado Avalanche. So a D-man is going to start skating from his goal line off the puck to go support the rush. And no one picks him up. Like, like there's just no sorting going on. It's like, do you know who you're playing? These, This is what these guys do. Kale McCarr, Devon Taves, Bo Byram got like two freebies, basically. And that was a nice sign of growth was in the second game against Colorado where the abs really, I mean, they didn't have Kale McCarr, but they didn't really get those looks. And so even when there's times where the Ducks look kind of like lost mentally, they do show an ability to correct on that. And even like in those games, like they, they show some fight, they show some ability to come back. So, but that was just hilarious that like all three of those goals are practically like the same play. Yep. All right. Ready for questions or anything else? Uh, yeah. Questions. Yeah. Uh, although I guess the only other thing to note, we don't have a timetable on Zegers or Drysdale. They are both skating with the skills coach with Isaac with Lundestrom, Lundestrom, right? Yeah. Lundestrom sighting. Yeah. So, Look at uh, that. 
Yeah, so McTavish Terry uh, Drumbanger said, uh, if you were to summarize this team on one player, uh, what would what player would that be? Like, what is that? Like, in what way? Like, the, let's go with the identity of the team. The identity of this team. On one player. I don't know. I'll go Pavel Minchikov. He's just kind of he's just kind of a wild player, and I feel like this is kind of a wild team right now. The team is one hundred percent wild. So great, yeah. great call. Shaking yeah. Wing said, "Is it time for the national media to realize the Ducks are better with Zegers?" Uh, it's time for just the general hockey fan base to understand that because I th- well, wasn't he voted like most overrated player or something yeah, in like one it, of those stupid puck empire people should, polls? Yeah, people should understand that he's actually a good player and not just as I always make fun of a flippy puck kid. It's not like his fault that the media chooses to just cover him like crazy. Like he yeah. doesn't anyway. Yep. Yep. Uh, bring, uh, I'll go with BPH said, uh, how excited will you be when Perry, Perry comes home to retire a duck on a scale of one to 10? Uh, that caught me off guard. Cause I should have pre-read the question. Uh, you and I are both of the opinion. We'll just get this out of the way here. Uh, until we know what happened, kind of neutral, not bringing him back, not, really having an opinion on if they should bring him back or not. Um, whatever he did was enough for him to get uh, terminated and doesn't seem like he's fighting it. So I think that yep. that's the start and the end of it for me is that until we have any more information, not going to really talk on it either way. Yep. Uh, Turtle committee rules expert said top three pregame establishments you enjoy before a ducks game in order. This is probably a question more for you. I mean, really the only place that I personally go to is noble. And you can now see a crash the pond flag there. You Shameless can see some plug. things, see some things in there. Shout it out. Uh, but it's just a good spot to go. Free parking can walk over to the game. Um, that's really it. I mean, what was the it, JT it, it, Schmid JT? I have never been there pregame. Really? I've gone there for lunch though. Cause my work's that's so random. Oh, okay. I was going to say that's like incredibly random, but now it makes I mean, sense. Yeah. Um, oh, what is it? It used to be gunwale. Now I think it's kilt. Now I think it's anywhere brewing. Um, okay. Anywhere brewing, it's off Orangewood. Um, it used, yeah. So have gone there, gotten beers there, and then kind of driven over. Um, and then Lazy Dog would probably be the other one. So okay. there, there's the three I've done. Let's go with that. Um, Shake Wing said, "Why is PP one uh, unit out there second? Seems like a Dallas Aikens thing to do, type of thing to do when with an excuse of they work harder." Yeah, I mean, I really don't like it. And also, one thing I really kind of hate that that gets talked about power plays, and this is something Dallas Higgins used to say all the time, is like, oh, we've just got to simplify on the power play. We've just got to get pucks on net. It's like, no, that is not the time to do that. It's the opposite. You have have the extra man. It's time. Like, yes, there is a balance of like, you don't want to just set up for the one chance, but also, like, just throwing it on net, low percentage shots, just to maybe get a tip or a rebound, like, that. that's just not how modern power plays, you know, succeed. So, if that's the mindset behind the power play, too, is that, like, they're just a little more simple and, like, they don't really, like, I don't know, like, they're just less risky. Like, it's just, I hate all of that. Like, that's just not the mindset you, need, you should have on the power play. You need some sort of puck movement to get the goalie to move laterally to open up shot, shot uh, shooting yeah. lanes through them. You're trying it, to score it, it's a goal. It's pretty simple. You're not trying to, like, defend your own net. Like, yeah, maybe if Minchikov has had a couple turnovers, the blue line, like, coach him on that. Don't just, like, I, take him off the ice. What One thing I actually find extremely frustrating within this conversation of this is that there are times where I'll watch and 
the let's just go with the Fowler power play. That that's the only best way to put it. <laughs> the instead. Fowler no, play. No, but instead of giving it like PP one, PP two, because some people will dispute that the the one with Cam Fowler on it, they'll be out there for over for like the past thirty minute mark, and there will be a face off, and they won't change, and the vice versa happens with the Minchikov one, and if it's been thirty minute thirty seconds, they'll change. Yep. And so it's just the same things aren't being applied to both. And I just find that somewhat frustrating, especially when the Minchikov unit is out there generating, creating more chances. Um, Isaac said, Zegers tries on Lundestrom skating in full gear this morning on a separate sheet of ice, uh, quoted to Felix Sicard, quoted to Puck M- quoted to Puck Empire. With this breaking news, who gets sent down once our injured players join the team again? And what would the bottom six look like? Man, that's a great question. That Because that's a lot of bodies coming back. Uh, and I mean, I mean, I think- Ross Johnston's probably waived. Ross Johnston is probably waived at this point. Yeah. Um, like he's not even in the lineup right now with all the injuries. So. He, is, he is a defenseman in practice well, at this point. I, I think that's just, that's no, just it, how Derek lists them. I don't think he's no, playing D. He is, he is legitimately during practice. I saw it during the morning skate when they posted pictures. He had a black jersey on, which is oh. what the D, D men wear. Because they had seven defensemen, so they wanted one more to have an extra pairing. Yeah, I mean, regardless, like he's not playing. He, he's, no, he's not playing DM. Yeah. I'm just saying, in practice, that's what's happening. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I'm saying I he's mean, not playing in the games. Like he's not getting oh, into the lineup. Sure. Yes. With with like an opportunity to do so. So let's just say, so you have to have two forwards come out, or two forwards get waived, and one defenseman get waived or sent down. I think Luno going down is easy when Drysdale's yeah. healthy. That's and happening. then. And then, I mean, it's probably Ross Johnston. And then, I mean, it it, it probably Bo Grew. I don't know. Bo Grew, Max Jones, like, yeah, Brett Leeson, like Jackson I don't. Jackson Lacombe is waiver exempt. Jackson Lacombe is waiver exempt. So you you're not gonna run six D though. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you do. Like, I mean, does, it does, might... Bo, does Bo Grew get claimed on waivers? I don't he know. He might. I mean, would Max Jones get claimed? Who would you who would you prefer to lose of those two, Bo Grew or Max Jones? Or I mean, who would you prefer not to lose? I guess the better way to word. I that. think Grew because he's younger. Okay. There's still there's still some. I mean, he's 23. He's not like you know an, a 19 year old, but he's there's just a little more upside there. Um, Jones, Jones, or, Jones or McGinn. Jones, I mean, McGinn just does more. Also, okay. he's got a year left on his contract, so you're losing a, a trade chip if you lose him on waivers. Okay. I I was just saying because McGinn is 29, and McGinn's not going to get claimed for sure because of his contract. I mean, he might be the one you sneak through, but I think you're making your team worse by doing Agreed. that. Agreed. Agreed. So I, I don't, I think, I don't do think McGinn gets claimed because of his the AAV on his contract, but I think There's McGinn just no does, point in sending him down. Yeah, McGinn does more for this team than, uh, than Jones. Um, Jones or grew. I mean, as, as much as I liked how I've liked how Boger has played, like he's not, it sucks because in an ideal world, he should just be on the team. No doubt. But just the way that this roster is built, the contract statuses, it's just kind of, what would the bottom six look like? I mean, is it crazy to say that I think McGinn, Carrick, Leeson are earning their keep at this point yeah, in time? They are. They are so undoubtedly. What do you do with that third line? Like, well, Lundest- so you'd, you'd, you'd go back to Zegers, Carlson. I mean, you could do Zegers, Carlson, Terry, just yeah. to throw, throw a combo out there. And then I guess um, do Vetrano, Vetrano, McTavish-Strom. Yeah. And then... Henrik, Jones, and uh, Silverberg. 
you forgot Kalorn. And you forgot Kalorn. Oh, that's right. I forget. Yeah, I'm forgetting those guys. So, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Kalorn, Lundestrom, Henrique. Well, hmm. Now, now I got to take it all back because I forgot about those guys. So, Kalorn, yeah. Car- Kalorn, Carlson, Terry. I think right now that makes sense. Okay. Where does Zegris go then? Yeah, I don't know. This is hard. Zegris, Zegris, Kalorn, Zegris, Kalorn, Carlson. I'm going to cheat a little bit. Zegris, Kalorn, Carlson. Okay. And then um, Terry, McTavish, Vetrano. Okay, this is working. I like where this is going. Terry, McTavish, Vetrano, or Terry, McTavish, Strom, however you want to do it. And then one of Strom, Vetrano, Henrique. And then who's the third guy? What about Lundestrom? I'm I'm getting to him. Like okay. Lundestrom is in this mix. Like whether okay. he's okay. Sorry. whether I he's wanted... the thir- okay. whether he's the thirteenth forward or not, like it doesn't really okay. matter. Okay. But I don't think he's a lock to to be in the lineup every night once he comes back. Fair. Like just just put the bodies right now. I mean, if you want to take all... Sil- these are all take good Silverberg problems, out. By the way. Yeah, the Ducks are going to be a lot deeper team when when all these guys are back. And then like... as far as the 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 blue line, I mean. Fowler Drysdale, you just go back to that. I think you do. The the the, the mythical Fowler Drysdale pairing. I think that, you just you just go with what they ran last game and you just swap out Luno and Drysdale. Yeah, I think so too. And then you can have Lacombe with Gudas and um, you can have your third pairing. So you have of Minchikov and Labushkin. Labushkin's played well, by the way. Yeah. He's playing very well as of yep. late. Like yep. offensively. Um Yeah. But yeah, so the 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 forwards are going to be kind of a mess to figure out. I mean, maybe a, maybe a trade might need to happen. Yeah, just just to possible. make room. Like yeah. even if it's just a, a getting a pick back. Doom Krauser said, "So the Ducks are missing their top ten picks from 2019, 2020, and 2021 due to injury. Do we start to wonder whether the Ducks need to change up their sports science slash training department?" I mean, I think they already have. Yeah. I also I also just question how much of a difference that really makes. Um, because at the end of the day, it's, can you save the players from themselves and can you keep them off the ice as long as possible? Cause so many injuries I feel like are just guys coming back too early. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really, I wouldn't attribute it to that. I mean, the Drysdale thing, does it, like they're all independent events. Also like no one else. I mean, Lundestrom's injury was like a freak injury in the off season. So I don't know. That just seems like a bit of a speculative yeah question yep. uh coffee guy 8806 says what do you guys think about gibson and his contract is he worth having around for when this team is mature or do the ducks trade now uh at a good watermark i mean it's a great question because it's going to be hard to trade him in season that's always the the refrain but at the same time this is maybe the best like who knows how how he'll look three years from, you know two years from now a year from now this could be the best he'll ever be moving forward. So I don't really know how you balance that. But that being said, I mean, he's playing, you know, he's playing very well. He's looking like he can be a solid enough goalie beh- behind an improved team, a team that should only continue to improve. And, you know, with the way Dostal has come out, maybe a little shakier than expected. Maybe it is better to keep Gibson around just to kind of be a bit of that safety blanket for for Lucas Dostal. Yep. Uh, Weaver said, who has the better career, Zegris or Keller? I don't know. I don't go Z- I'm, I'm going Zegris. I don't follow Clayton Keller. I'll go Zegris. You know? The rest of the NHL just, well, outside of the halves, just like doesn't exist to me. 
Um, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, Keller is how old? He is 25. His career high in points is 60. No, sorry, 86. That was last season. Last year. Before that, though, I mean, his he'd only hit 60 points twice over the span of, you know, like six seasons. And Zegers did that in his first two he's seasons. It, he's done it twice. Yeah, like back-to-back years. So I think Zegers is just more prolific. I think that yep. Zegers is also in a much better kind of starting point situation, teammates-wise, yep. franchise-wise. So I'm going to go Zegers. Yep. Uh, McTavish Terry Drumbanger said, Is it time to pair McTavish with Terry? <laughs> Oh, you're t- you're telling me someone with that screen name would have asked that question? Yeah. I mean, hey, I agree. I agree. I mean, I want to see it. I think it makes sense. Um it does it's not necessary for Terry to to play with him though for that to for him to hit where we want him to hit, but I think it could it could really work. Yeah. Average Canadian Ty said uh, projected lineups with everyone healthy. We already ran through that, but wanted to give him a shout out for the question. McTavish Terry Drumbanger said, with Lucas Dostal getting shelled in the past three games, he started. Is it time for him to start against Chicago? Yeah, I mean, let him get yeah. right. Let him play against a weaker opponent. Although, I don't, I don't know how you stop a Connor Bedard shot. I just don't know how you do it. Like I've been, I've been thinking about this the last few days. The guys who shoot like that, like Matthews and Bedard's, obviously the best at it. As a goalie, I don't know what you do. What are you supposed to do? The, the the angle of the shot changes. You can't get set. And then the guy is just insanely strong and can put it wherever he wants. So I don't no envy go- I don't envy goalies nope. of today. And that's why I hate when people just blame goalies for everything, because it's like it's the hardest job. It's it's the hardest mm-hmm. job on the ice. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you stop that. Ryan said best ducks to put down for Puck Doku. <laughs> Well, uh, hey, you you don't Michael get... Delzato. Nah. Um, no, just because he's played for a bunch of different teams and has played for the Ducks. I'm not big on giving out answers for Puck Doku because you got to earn those. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Dalton Keys at over under on how tall Leo Carlson ends up. This is a little bit from Alex Galorn, I guess, that when Carlson went down and they did an X-ray on his hip earlier on in the when he got hurt in practice. They said his growth plates are still showing he's not fully uh fully grown. grown. Yeah. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Absolutely wild. Uh I'll go let's go six five. He's six sure. three right now. I'll go two inches. Most I mean, likely I, like six four. I have no clue. No clue. I don't know um, how growth works. I stopped growing a while ago. McTavish Terry Drumbanger. Yeah, same. Uh said over under on Tristan Leno, fifteen points for Team Canada and World Juniors. Uh, I'm going to go under. Okay. Uh, Brad said it's clear. Dostal has struggled in his last few, few starts, but how can not possibly playing or not playing possibly help his development? If this is supposed to be about the process, isn't this counterproductive? I mean, at the end of the day, he is still a backup. And when you're playing behind a high priced, you know, right now star goalie, this is just the reality. You're not going to play well, as much. I would also add that Dostal's in a different position than a goalie that needs to be playing a bunch of games. He's done that in the AHL already for a couple of years. Now it is about getting the NHL experience. And even if that is as a backup, you look at some of the best goalies in the league, they at one point in time started as a backup goalie and worked their way into the starter role. And so that's just kind of how this happens. I don't think that I would put this as a way that would hurt his development. Um, from that well, and like I said, like I don't sometimes for goalies, I don't think playing a lot of games is necessarily best 
for your development because you don't have as much time and mental energy to go back and correct your mistakes. Yeah. And so with all this layoff between games for him, like there is a fine line of you don't want to be off for too long and get cold. But I think that there is a value to just stepping back, you know, getting back in the lab and then going back into the game with just kind of a clean slate. And hopefully that will come soon, though. Yep. Uh, Vyacheslav Budiets Believer said, uh, besides Tristan Leno, who are you most looking forward to watching at the World Juniors? I actually have a answer for this one. Uh, in Rodwin Dionicio playing oh, for team, the, the Swiss team. I think seeing him in, in that tournament is going to be exciting to to see him playing in a more prominent role. Yeah, I'll go with a basic a basic B answer, but is I'm it? genuinely excited. It's Macklin okay. Celebrini. Oh, because oh, I that... feel like I feel like I've watched him a decent amount so far, but it's always there's there's always something special about seeing the presumptive first overall pick kind of get to flex on a big stage. You know, because it's kind of like the one time where everyone's watching prospects before the draft. And so I, I'm excited to see him on that stage. Is Belarus, they're not in the World Juniors this year, right? I don't know. Why wouldn't they be? I think Russia and, and Belarus are not. Why wouldn't Belarus be in the World Junior? Because they're associated they, with Russia. They, in what way? They, I believe it's the it, same reasons. It, um, wait, what? Wait, hold on. What? They've been Belarus. They... Belarus is associate. Is it like? Never mind. I I might just not know about, enough about this topic to engage. Yeah, yeah. I'll just leave uh, it alone. The reason why I was going to bring that up is uh, Yegor Sidorov, seeing him play, but I don't believe that Belarus will be in the World Juniors. Okay, got it. I'll take your word um, for it. Yeah, they may have just not qualified. That's also possible. Yeah, to be fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're gonna. That's it for our questions from our Patreon Discord. Okay, I didn't they, mention that those they they did get banned. I just googled it. Okay, yeah, the, okay. but both Russia and Belarus are san- sanctioned. Okay, okay. so it. I wasn't I wasn't completely off my rock. No, I was just so I just didn't know where that was going. I was just confused. But anyway, it, yes, uh, it's because of him and Belarus and Russia being connected in all of this. Um, but uh, all those questions are from our Patreon Discord. Go to patreon.com slash crashspond where you can join us at the $2 tier to get access to our Discord. Uh, now going to jump on over to our Twitch and YouTube chats for questions before we get on out of here. And so if you want to support us in a way that's completely free to you, uh, if you uh, want to go to twitch.tv slash crash the pond and subscribe uh to us there if you have amazon prime you get one free twitch prime gaming sub each and every month it helps out more than you can imagine um and it is completely free to you you can do that for us over there and sorry i was a little distracted because i saw a question about our patreon in our twitch chat as we were going so sorry about that uh or if you're listening to this and you have a youtube and yes i know everyone has a youtube account everyone does find us at youtube.com slash crash the pond and subscribe to the channel, like our videos, everything over there. So we're going to start with this question from the YouTube chat saying, Ronald McDonald, uh, he said, when do we think Zellweger makes the team? Uh, this year goes on as ELC regardless. And who is the first line left wing when Zegris comes back? Uh, well, I feel like we kind of answered that, the Zegris part of it. I nominated Kalorn to stay on there because I like his chemistry with uh, Carlson. I don't know. I mean, Zellweger's putting up points. We all know that that's not really the barometer of success for him, but it is good to see. You know, right now, maybe there's going to be some opportunity here with some injuries. 
But I really don't know. I don't know when that's going to be. Maybe after Labushkin gets traded. Just kidding. Who knows if he'll get traded. Uh, he's probably going to get traded at some point in time. Uh, I actually don't see any more questions in here, but throw them in if you can. Oh, Vixler said, when is Scratch Pond getting a Ducks player slash prospect on for a quick interview? Um, we would ask, love to do that. Ask the Ducks. Don't ask, ask, don't ask us that. Ask the Ducks. Tag them. Tag them on Twitter. Tag them everywhere. Make, make yeah. your voice known. Like, legitimately, that's probably a really good way for us to, to make a little bit of noise like, from that is if you want yeah. to see that, mention them on Twitter. Yeah, like straight up, just so the record is clear, like we've asked, we've, we've tried. tried, we've tried for years and our attempts have not been successful to just put it simply. But yeah, if you, if you are listening to this podcast and in your head, you've thought, man, it would be fun to hear a player or a coach or just anyone associated with this team hop on and, and talk, you know, talk with us let like tag the ducks on social media, Instagram, Twitter, you know, everywhere. And like, that's how this stuff unfortunately sometimes gets decided is that, you know, it's a bit of a popularity contest, but at the same time, you know, make your voices felt, make your voices heard. And I'm sure that that would, that would help. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Uh, let's see. Smile RL said, uh, you think the ducks would trade some of the guys on three year deals at the deadline? And he's saying guys like Strom Vitrano. Vitrano is not on a three-year deal. Well, he is, he is on a three-year deal. Well, sorry. His deal is almost... But Strom is not, for instance. Yeah, Strom is five. Yeah, Strom is five. But Vitrano has one year left after this. Strom has three more after this. Is, I, guess, I mean, I it's not a that. bad question on Vitrano. Like, I mean, yeah. this is, he's putting up you know a great season offensively. Does he really truly figure into the plans of this team long-term? A lot of bodies coming in. It's a tough question because th- there is there is a value to just having good players on your team. Like the Ducks are at that point now where they're not just, you know, tearing down for assets. They're trying to build, you know, they're trying to build a culture. They're trying to build a winning environment. And, you know, Vetrano seems like a very competitive guy, seems like a hard worker. You know, he can put up flashes offensively. Like it's tough to let that go, you know. So I don't really have a great answer for that because I could see arguments either way. Yeah. Vixler said current favorite TV show or movie you've watched recently. I, I've been in a bunker for about a month. So, uh, I mean, I'll give my favorite Christmas movie Klaus on Netflix. Klaus came out a couple years ago. It's animated. It made me cry. It is so good. Why don't we say Santa Klaus? Mm. Why do we Um, say Santa period? Isn't Santa feminine? Like the feminine version of Saint? Unknown. In Spanish? Um, oh, now I end. Sorry. Uh, for anyone that's on the Patreon, Melissa brought up a great point about why there are so many episodes that are locked. I'm now understanding it. I will go ahead and fix that right now. So thank you so much for, for pointing that out. SmileRL said, uh, is lining an option? If so, would Gru factor in at all in that package? Uh, hasn't he been playing better? Or am I just completely misremembering? Un... You're asking the wrong guy right now. So I read I read a little bit of an article today about what's ailing Patrick Line getting into some of the nitty gritty of his game. And I'm less convinced that he would be, make the greatest trade target as of right now. Like he has he has the offensive game, but I feel like it would take a real big kind of surgery to get him to fit into this kind of Greg Cronin system 
you know, of compete, of, you know, defensive responsibility first. Like, it seems like that's an area of his game that's really lacking at the moment. And so, you know, could Greg Cronin be the guy to turn him around? It's possible because we've seen with Greg Cronin, he kind of has this ability to be hard on guys, but also be empathetic and and let them express themselves offensively. So maybe it could work, but I feel like he... I honestly just have a hard time thinking that even Pat Verbeek would target him just with some of the stuff that's in his game right now, or maybe a better way to put it, some of the stuff that's not in his game right now. Yep. All right. Let's end with some shit show questions. How about that? Sure. Uh, let's see. Uh, McTavish Terry Drumbanger said, how much would we make if we earned a quarter every time the word, word Zegris or Drysdale were mentioned on this channel? I mean, they actually, a lot. yeah. Uh, McTavish Terry Drumbanger said, when is reindeer going to admit that soccer is the real football here and not a Cowboys bastardization of rugby? Hey, I watch, I watch soccer and fo- AKA football way more than I do American football. And so uh-huh. you're, you're talking to the wrong per- person or rock or barking up the wrong tree there. But I mean, we don't have to necessarily gatekeep either one. People can enjoy both. We can call both football. Who cares? Call it football. Call it soccer. Call it whatever you want for that version of it. Call it American football or call it football. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, but people the, enjoy it. It is kind of funny that, uh, People get so upset that we don't call soccer football in a, in a, in the U.S. when it's like, well, soccer is actually an English term, also. Like yeah, that is something I think that it's they actually made up. I think it's actually Scottish. No, it's English. Wasn't it a Scottish university named soccer? No, it's because they used to shorten everything, and soccer it was aso- associate association football, and they used to shorten everything. So they instead of taking and it was like adding er to the end of everything, so huh. shortening association to sock and then soccer. So that's what oh, interesting. Came from. But we have a lot of sports where it's like, why are they called what they're called? Like hockey. Why isn't hockey called like puck stick or, you know, ice, ice ball or like, I don't know. Like why, why is it called this like obscure word? Right. So yeah, I don't understand why it's like such a big issue. I think he's getting at why is football talk our football talk channel uh, strictly about the NFL. And that's because there are so many people that talk about the NFL in our discord. And yeah, so that's because we have a football channel for people that are fans of football. Well, I guess his point is that should also be soccer slash football. I think but. you just got to get over it, bud. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Well, should we just rename it to N- no, because just make football. it a soccer. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. This is America in America. <laughs> you're you're going called, there. It's called football. I wouldn't go to fucking England and say, oh, we should call it soccer. <laughs> You I wouldn't do there. that. I would you respect went... the customs of where I live. You went so there. guess what? You're here. <laughs> call it its appropriate name. And when you go over there, call it the appropriate name over there. It's it's totally fine. No one no one's offended in this situation. So yep, that is uh, my. Uh, let's see. Plant Ranch said, "Rank your fa- favorite fast food pizza slices." I don't really eat fa- fast food pizza like ever. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, guess, I guess, Domino's, like, yeah. I guess. I mean, I really like Blaze, but I don't know if Blaze counts. For no, anything. that that's not fast food though. Yeah, that like I, it's Domino's, like Pizza Hut, Little Caesars, Round Table. Like I don't know. I guess I used Dom- to, Domino's. I, I used to think Round Table was good back in like 2013. I don't know that if they changed. That, that sounds like a 2013 take from you. <laughs> I mean, it don't, was. It, 
It's just like whatever fast food pizza. I don't know. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, Lou said, does he bring a, 20, a 12 pack of silver bullets to share on Friday? No, don't. Do it. Don't. Do it. I will don't. drink them all. Just don't. kidding. I do not hold me to that. OG Leo Carlson Truther said, uh, what is your why? What is your why? I don't know what he's. Did he just needs. like? Did he just like look up like generic questions? <laughs> I, on, I guess on Google. I don't know. Any Detective Appa said worst bit in CTP Discord. Uh, just the fact that people are inventing bits these days. You know, it's just frustrating. Why are we inventing bits? I don't understand. Is the game on? <laughs> uh, what is my why? My why is to be the very best. The best no? there ever was. <laughs> to catch you. them is my real test. To train <laughs> them is my cause. Pokemon, gotta <laughs> catch them. Is yeah. it true? I don't know. That, that, that's all that's, I got for the That's lyrics. my why. Clip that, please. Um, there you go. Clip that. Yeah. I don't know. Did we have anything else? No, that's it. Dang. I feel like I had more. I got I got to fix something on the Patreon. It's something I realized, so that's been pointed out to me. Yeah. Um I will say that thank you to everyone who has uh upgraded their their Patreon subscriptions. We really appreciate that. Um means a lot and now that I'm done with my semester, I can get back into the film room and start pumping out videos and uh more content is on the way, so don't if you've been a little miffed by the lack of content lately, it'll it'll come back. So don't worry. Mm-hmm. And I will be in town this weekend. You will. You will. I, I haven't been to SoCal in... They, I don't know, when's, when's the last time I was there? I don't even remember. There are some deets on a meetup, but that is, I think we're keeping to Discord. So join yeah, the you, Discord it, if you want to want to know about where a little meetup is happening on Friday. We're having a meetup. Um, it should be a lot of fun. Going to talk hockey. Going to just have a good time. And yeah, excited to be in town. Excited to... Be back in SoCal. Excited to tweet SoCal I'm in you at some point. Oh, God. <laughs> Why is that a thing? It's like saying born day. Happy born day, Cam Fowler. When when the hell did that become a thing? Is calling a birthday a born day? Oh, Vixler said Juan Soto thoughts. So today I saw that news. And like if you don't know baseball, that's fine. But I'll I'll put it in very simple terms. So I was sitting next to my girlfriend. I was like, oh, this player got traded. Take a wild guess where he got traded. Just pick a random team. Like, like who would be the team you would guess? And she said Yankees. And I was like, yep. It's like, that's just how, it, that's just the sport. All the good players end up playing for the Yankees. It's just, it is what it is. Also, what the heck are the Padres doing? Are they just blowing it up? Wasn't that the whole thing that they like got that key piece a couple, I- couple years ago? I think uh, I think from talking with Olaf, one of the issues they're running into is the fact that uh, Bally dropped them, and so they are low on money as a result of that. Oh, okay. So that they're probably uh, getting money out also, as a result. I want to throw some cold water on this notion that um, you know European soccer is this like perfect free market. My buddy was telling you about this like Man City is- thing. What is is it Man City? I forget what it is. Well, Everton was docked points. What's the rule? Financial fair play? Yeah. Basically, it doesn't actually... The system is rigged. It's not a fair fight. It's not a free market. The way we do it here in North America is better, is all I'll say. That's all. 
That's all. Okay. <laughs> Speaking from a place of high knowledge here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Once you land this say? plane. What else were we going to say? There was something. Oh, Born Day. Please stop calling it Born Day, for the love of God. Ducks admin? Just stop calling it Born Day. Like, just why? Just why? Oh, prediction. Before we log off here. Shohei Otani prediction. Angels. Angels? Angels. Oh, Steph Curry, big three. I'm um, sorry, I'm watching, so, uh, watching basketball. Um... Should I be, should I give a pessimistic like realistic prediction or should I just predict with the heart? Predict with the heart. Okay, I'm gonna predict Giants. I just honestly, I'll be happy if it's anyone but the Dodgers. As long as it's not the Dodgers, I feel like we'll all breathe a sigh of relief. I mean, I'll be sad if it's not the. Angels. Would it be kind of a lame move if you went to the Dodgers? I don't like, know. Just, like I don't why? Know. I, don't, I don't want to talk about this. It makes me sad. I mean, I'm not here to like slander Shohei. You know, I want him to have have a great career and to, to be in a winning environment, but to just go to basically the most well-built team and like just pile on to an already great team. It's just like, isn't that what everyone hated Kevin Durant for in basketball? And he's just going to, I mean, they haven't won or they haven't won a real one and they keep failing in the postseason when, when it's actually a real playoff. So maybe it's a different situation, but I just feel like it'd be a lame move. Like go, go build something somewhere. If you're going to leave, that's all. Okay. That's all. Let's get out of here on that point. Thank you for listening. Everyone. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to support us, leave us a rating and a review on Apple podcasts. We greatly appreciate it. Check out our Patreon. Uh, we got a discord server, $2 a month, and then you can upgrade that to, I think it's seven fifty for the discord server two bonus podcasts a month and then bonus player breakdown videos with private YouTube links. Uh, that's all at patreon.com slash crash the pond. Subscribe to us there on YouTube, subscribe on Spotify. Shout out to everyone. Shout out to the 123 of you who, where we were your most listened to podcast. We got those stats in our Spotify wrapped. So to everyone who this was your top podcast and your Spotify ranked, uh, we, we really appreciate that. Let us know on Twitter if that was you. Um, make sure to follow us on social media, X, uh, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. We're all on there. And also, um, if you know, th- with the holidays coming up, if you want to buy a gift for a loved one, a Ducks fan loved one, check out our awesome Crash the Pond Hockey Vibes HC t-shirts. They're awesome. Anaheim hockey sticks, eggplant and jade, beach, everything. It's just great. Um, that's at crashthepond.com slash shop. And on that note, thank you for listening, everyone. We've got the image here up on the screen. Also, and the, and big, the link. Big, big shout out to, I was recognized at local Trader Joe's by a guy named Andrew. So shout out to him for that. Shout out to Andrew. Shout out to you. Shout out to everyone that has been bearing with us and uh, to many more. On that note, talk to you soon. Bye.